You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 95 of Take a Bow. I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and this week we have another incredible episode for you all today. We have Broadway star Will Swenson on the podcast today, and he talks about so many different things that's happening right now for him. Um, before we get to the episode, as always, let's just talk about some Broadway news. Assassins off-Broadway cast at the Signature Theater. They had the production. I went and saw it. It was great. Um, they are releasing a cast album on Friday, March 18th. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, March 17th, the day that this comes out, the Assassins off-Broadway cast featuring Ethan Slater, Judy Kuhn, uh, now Will Swenson, they're having a cast album that comes out tomorrow if you're listening to this on March 17th. And for those of you not listening to it, it may be out already and uh, or it's out today. So March 17th, this Friday, go check it out. I promise you, you won't regret it. It's got some great stuff. There's some exciting news from the Take A Bow family where John Bolton, who has been on the podcast before, uh, he was my dad in a Christmas story. He's joining the Wicked Tour as the Wizard of Oz. So very exciting stuff for John Bolton. I can't only imagine how good John Bolton is going to be in the Wicked Tour as the Wizard of Oz. Uh, so exciting. Iconic role. Speaking of tours, the Waitress Tour announced their cast, uh, where Stephanie Torrens is actually going to be leading the cast. It's a limited run uh, of a tour, and Stephanie Torrens was the understudy on Broadway, and she is absolutely incredible. She's gotten rave reviews. So incredible cast at the Wicked and Waitress Tour. They're both going to be spectacular. I have to talk about some Hadestown here. So Hadestown is currently dealing with a bit of... Uh, not a problem, but they're they're running into some obstacles regarding both COVID and injuries. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned that Amber Gray was leaving Hadestown. And if you happen to be listening to this today and you saw Amber Gray this week and you may be like, oh, I thought she wasn't in the show. Well, they had to bring her back. And she's been doing pop-in performances for Hadestown as Persephone. Um, craziness. She just was literally able to just step right back into the role, didn't miss a beat, uh, and kind of save the show because they actually had to cancel a couple performances, and uh, the, especially the performances that she couldn't be there for. Um, so when she's been able to save the show multiple times within this past week, and it's just amazing that Amber Gray is back in Hadestown. And if you're one of the lucky audience members that got that little surprise, I am so jealous of you. That's incredible. Uh, I heard it was just absolutely electric, and it was just such a joy to see her in the uh, in the show again. This person is in the news almost every week because I love her so much. Ariana DeBose won a Critics' Choice Awards for her performance as Anita in West Side Story. So exciting. She's won so many awards and has been nominated so many times for her incredible performance in West Side Story that she she just deserves it all. And it's so, so cool to see West Side Story and a movie musical to be recognized the way it's getting the recognition uh, that West Side Story is getting is just so exciting to see. I, I always mention that, but truly, I mean it. Um, congratulations, Ariana. And for those of you who haven't seen it yet, go check it out on Disney Plus or HBO Max because West Side Story is just it's a classic and this this reimagined version of it and this newer version of it is just so brilliant and everyone's performance in it is just incredible mike feist was actually trending on twitter which that takes a lot um literally the day it came out on disney plus and hbo max about how he should be nominated and he's not getting the recognition that he deserves for his performance in this musical so a bunch of theater people are are 
getting the recognition that they deserve. And it's just so exciting to see. So I can't wait to see the future of Ariana DeBose and Mike Feist. So exciting. And one last thing for this week's news section of Take A Bow. I just have to give credit to the amazing producers and production company of The Minutes that is currently on Broadway featuring, you know, Jesse Mueller and Denny McCarthy, Sally Murphy, Blair Brown, all of these incredible people, No Reed. The Minutes is currently on Broadway and they have announced that they are donating a portion of ticket sales to save the children's Ukraine crisis relief fund. That is just incredible, and I really hope that a lot of productions and producers take note of this and they uh, begin to do the same thing because I understand that right now is a hard time for Broadway and they've missed out on on a couple years and they're just trying to recoup, but there are people in Ukraine and around the world that are struggling way more than producers on Broadway or... uh, actors or anyone i mean people are literally being torn away from their families up in ukraine and uh what they're doing here to to help that organization and to help the people of ukraine that are are, that are facing these challenges are are just incredible and jeffrey richards and rebecca gold which who are the producers uh made a statement and said on behalf of our fellow producers tracy anna and the entire company we take this step in support of the men women and children affected by the unfolding humanitarian crises in ukraine so just incredible work and and truly i am gonna say it again i really hope that um producers and productions they take note of this and, and they consider doing the same thing and for those of you at home listening and you're able to to do the same and and donate and support you could either go get a ticket to the minutes to go see that on broadway or you could check out uh the ukraine crisis relief fund which can be found at savethechildren.org so please go check that out and and bravo to to the minutes because that's really incredible what you're doing so that wraps this week's uh segment for the news of Take a Bow. So without further ado, everyone, welcome to Take a Bow, Will Swenson. Will Swenson, curtain up. Okay, today we welcome arguably the most dynamic actor on Broadway. He has been in eight Broadway shows, which is soon to be nine. Uh, This Tony nominee just appeared in the Signature Theater's production of Assassins and will soon be back on Broadway in A Beautiful Noise, the Neil Diamond musical. Everyone welcome to Take a Bow, Will Swenson. Yay! Yeah! Oh my gosh. Yay! um, I love it. It's amazing. There you go. That's your next role. Uh, (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on today. I'm very excited to talk to you about all the things. Um, The way I usually like to start my episodes is I like to ask my guests, what got them into theater? What made you want to tell stories and be an entertainer? (laughs) I had no choice. Um, (laughs) I I grew up in a theatrical family. My grandmother... Um, who was born in 1908, I think, uh, was just drawn to the theater. And she became a playwright and uh, started a theater in Glendale, California in the 40s. And um, just started doing her own plays because she couldn't afford royalties. And then they, the theater, you know, did better. And so uh, then my mom, you know, was in plays and then they put me in plays. So I, I got thrown on stage when I was literally two years old. And, wow. And I've kind of been just doing it ever since so you're from california i grew up in california till i was 12 and then my family moved to utah where we started our own theater wow Um, and now uh now my brother runs a theater in in utah yeah wow that's incredible business kind of wild so when you came to new york was it to be on broadway like for your first show or did you move before that uh it totally was i mean um I, I went to school in Utah and then got my equity card. Uh, I auditioned while at school. I auditioned for Disney World and got, I got yes. a doing the Beauty of the Beast show at Disney World. So right. I got my equity card and I was down there uh, for a couple of years. And then I got a tour. And then my wife and I, my first wife and I, discovered that we were pregnant. We were like, let's not drag a child around the country on tour. Let's move <laughs> to the city with all of this this one or two credits that I've got. Surely got things it. will go great. <laughs> so oh we moved to the city definitely with the the hope and expectation of of me being able to make it on Broadway, but it, it took a minute. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it worked out, so that's good. That, in the end, yeah. You, uh, well, talk to me about your Broadway debut, which was in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, what was it like to be on a Broadway stage for the first time? Well, it was it was amazing. I mean, when I got cast in my first show, uh, they cast me in the room, which they never Whoa. do. I've never been cast in the room once other than my Broadway debut. And I'd been kicking around town for about four years and stressing out. And I'd had a baby by then and just thinking I'm never going to make it. And um, I was pregnant with my second child and and, and they oh, cast me in the room. So I walked out and got downstairs at the elevator at Chelsea Studios and just bawled on 26. <laughs> um, oh, wow. But doing the show was amazing. Although I was hired to be a pit singer slash understudy. There are... Um, only two gentlemen in that production. It's only five people in the whole show. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was hired to cover Clavant Derricks, who was a, like a 55 year old, six foot four <laughs> black man. And, oh my God. Um, and then uh, Kevin Anderson uh, was the, the white dude that I was a little closer to, but not really close <laughs> in type to either one of them. At any rate, um, they had converted, it was then called the Plymouth Theater, which I know I think is the, called the Schoenfeld Theater now. And the pit singers were put literally in the offstage bathroom. Oh my God. This little tiny anteroom, but I'm not kidding you. It was maybe, maybe six feet by, by six feet <laughs> big. Just, we were just like crunched in there, four of us. Yes. Singing the background vocals. Um, that is amazing. Show. And we did get to go out and bow at the end of the show, but it was so bizarre because we kind of went out with the band that also was not on stage. Mm -hmm. So we would pop out and the audience would kind of go, oh, I guess they're with the band. And so it wasn't the, uh, the fulfilling, you know, center stage curtain call that, you know, one sure. imagines when one's dreaming about <laughs> making their Broadway debut. It was more of a, hello. I'm, hello. I'm <laughs> Um, but I mean, my dream was, was as fulfilled as it would have been. Otherwise I just, I was so desperate to get, to check that box off the list. I had been on Broadway right? one night, but I did it. So that's amazing. And now, <laughs> and then it just kept rolling from there. No, oh my goodness. Thank you. So like I mentioned earlier, I mean, you most recently were in assassins and it was crazy for me to go see that because I, the last show I saw you in was Earl in waitress. Oh yeah. A and I was just like, these roles are so vastly different. Um, it's, it's insane. Um, and then I looked up what other shows that you've done and everything, and all of your roles are just so diverse, and none of them are like any of the others. Uh, like, what would you like consider yourself? A, or would you be a comedy actor, a comedic actor, or would you be a dramatic actor? <laughs> um, I, I love that, that you have to ask that question. That's, that's kind of been my goal. Yeah, um, is to to be that guy that nobody can kind of pigeonhole and say, oh, he does this. Let's get Will Swenson or he's that guy. Yeah, um, my my agent, I think he says you're a you're a you're a character man in a leading man's body is what he said. Wow. <laughs> um, and it's I, very I, true. I like, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that that anyone would think of me to play Gitto. Um, right is is a co huge compliment i think um i think i started out in the business and people were like all right well he can be the rocker or he can be the the stoner or the abusive guy and you know granted i have been cast as those guys quite a little <laughs> but i've tried really hard to play against that that idea and and show that i can do lots of other things and hopefully not get get pigeonholed as to being only able to do one thing yeah, because I'm literally like you take assassins, you take waitress, you take and now the Neil Diamond show, like Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, like none of them are like the same thing. And it was just like, it's amazing. So that I love that, that you don't want to like pigeonhole yourself to anything. Oh, thing. I mean, really that's cool. the fun of it, right? That's why yeah. I do this. I mean, I think some people enjoy doing the one thing over and over again, and they're really great at it. And that's awesome. But that's super not for me. I mean, the, you like the, the challenge. Thing, exactly. The whole thing that appeals to me is disappearing into a whole other character, a whole other psyche, yeah. discovering these awful compartments of our, of our, of our <laughs> emotional makeup that, that we would never be able to express in real life, but be able to get out these awful things on stage. Like that's the, that's the fun for me. Totally. So speaking of assassins, you guys recorded a cast album, yeah. which comes out this Friday, March 18th. Very exciting. What are you most excited for people to hear in this cast album compared to the others? Uh, the orchestrations is yeah. my answer to that. 
Their brand new orchestrations, our music director, Greg Jarrett, with the blessing of Stephen Sondheim, did these amazing new uh, orchestrations. And it's it's no comment on the old ones at all. Mm -hmm. But um, because John Doyle, our director, likes to um, put the band in his shows quite a little bit, um, half of our cast were musicians also. Yeah. And, um, and the idea behind the orchestrations was to kind of try to capture that that um, sense of Americana that Sondheim wrote toward in his music. Like every everybody's song sort of reflects the musical genre of the time in which they lived. Mm-hmm. So there's like, you know, there's the folk songs and the fiddle songs and bluegrass songs and, and um, like vaudeville songs and, and then up into like 80s pop with, with uh, John Hinckley. And so it's, it's a, it's a pretty wide range of, of musical styles, but just all encapsulated in the, in the Americana idea, which the show is kind of about is, is America's identity and who we are and, and, and how entitled we are for that matter. Right. Um, but I think the orchestrations are just super masterful and beautiful. And, and uh, I can't wait for, for folks to, to hear assassins through just with the, the altered lens of these orchestrations. Absolutely. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So I have to ask, because I've only seen that version of Assassin, so uh-huh. like I literally can't imagine it done any other way with the performers playing the instrument. Uh-huh. On the album, are they performing yeah. their instruments? Yeah, yeah, they're the guys. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, for those that didn't get to see the show, um, our, our production had uh, four... Um, or was it five? I think just four um, actor musicians that, you know, sang and, and acted in the show, but also played uh, part of the orchestrations. And then uh, up above the stage, we had three just full-time musicians, our music director on keys, and then um, and then bass and drums upstairs. So mm-hmm. it was that exact same uh, group of folks for the cast recording. That's amazing. Yeah. So fascinating. Uh, I love the fact that those guys can do what they did. I can't, I can't even... <laughs> Tell you. Like it's hard enough for me to like walk and sing at the same time. Right. And these guys were doing choreography while sometimes while sometimes singing and playing and often playing music multiple instruments. It, it right. was insanity what those guys can do. Oh, it's amazing. It made the show, truly. Like it was just so enjoyable to like watch that and just watch the live music right there on stage. You don't have to look up or look into the orchestra or something to yeah, see that. Nice privilege to have the music with you right on stage as well. Oh, I bet yeah. you could hear it better, yeah. Yeah, well, and and a challenge because the the two groups of musicians were uh, apart from one another, so that became challenging sometimes because the music director was up behind us and we didn't even see him, not even on a monitor. So we sort of just had to mentally lock in with with what we were going to do and set some things pretty rigidly so that the tempos could work right each time we we got there, but. Um, so there were pluses and minuses to the to the <laughs> staging arrangement. Totally. Well, when was this recorded? Because I know Assassin's Run got uh, shut down a little bit early because of a COVID. Was it afterwards or was it during? That was after. Um, we, oh, wow. we were supposed to run to the end of January. And I think we only had to cut off one week. We had to mm-hmm. cancel our last week because we all got COVID. <laughs> and then we recorded. You too? I did too, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think about half our cast had had it before, so they didn't get it again. Uh, Got it. Shut down. We only missed, I think, one, one show, maybe two shows prior to that, because Omicron was just racing through the city of New York. Literally, um, we were so cautious and careful. Anyway, it got in at the end. Um, and then the <laughs> it's other a good happened. time to get in. <laughs> at yeah. least you don't have to cancel the whole run. <laughs> yeah, at least it was only one week. Um, and then we recorded it uh, about a month later. Okay, not even a month. It was like the beginning of March, I think. We our, our beginning of a. Uh, 
this is the beginning of March. We must have done yes. it pretty quick. I think we must have done it at the beginning of February then. Interesting. Well, it's good that like, I mean, it sucks that you guys didn't know that you were having your last show or you didn't have your last show like uh, properly, but you were able to like almost have a last show or a second go at it in the recording studio, which is really cool. Super nice. Super nice to get a little bit of closure. Yeah. For sure. Um, I have to talk to you about Waitress and I have to talk to you about your performance in that because Waitress is actually one of my favorite shows uh, oh, yeah. on Broadway. Yeah, literally. Uh, I was so excited when they brought it back and everything. Talk to me about your experience in that and just what it was like to play Earl and kind of go there every night, eight shows a week. Um, Waitress is such a cool show. It's so, I love, I love it because it's messy. Um, yeah. It's like, you know, there are archetypes in it. There's the heroine that you root for and there's a kind of bad guy. And then there's, you know, kind of a hero, but they're all not, they're not 100% those things. Like Jenna is, is messed up and making bad decisions. Right. And you know, the, the typical hero, he's also, he's having an affair with a married woman. Like that's that's messy. And my character Earl, like, you know, he, he could be seen as just, just this villain, but He's also just like, just like sad and lonely and, and, and unfulfilled and, and unable to communicate his pain. And like, it's just, there's, there's, it's, it's so not clear cut. Everybody's got real struggles that they're dealing with. And, and because of that, I think everyone in the audience recognizes themselves in a, in a portion of it. It's just really relatable. Everybody's struggling to to get where they're going it's it's just not it's not cookie cutter theater totally what was it like to to perform with i mean you performed with so many incredible leading ladies and you played opposite of them uh but sarah borellis like she literally wrote the show like was there ever added pressure because it was like oh you wrote it i hope i'm doing it just (laughs) like oh it's funny that you say that because i i don't think i ever felt intimidation from sarah ever wow and that's great I think just about any other composer, like if I was doing the show with a composer, I think I would feel completely, I'm trying to envision <laughs> doing the show with like, doing if like Michael John Lacusa was a, was a performer, I would be like terrified to perform with Michael John, even though sure. he's the greatest guy. Um, but Sarah's uh, like the last person to ever be judgy. I just, uh, no, there was, it was never anything but complete, support and she was so complimentary about my take on the role and wow honestly i think she she was our roles were reversed maybe a little bit she was she was quite nervous um coming into to be the performer because i think you know she at the time i think felt like her sweet spot was writing which mm-hmm. let's, let's let's be honest let's do yeah incredible songwriter one of my favorites before i ever met her um, so I think she was nervous to try something else out and and be under the Broadway scrutiny spotlight, you know. Um, sure. And she had no need to worry. She just like Sarah's like a truth seeking missile. She just like she can't lie. I don't think she can lie in life, and I certainly can't lie on stage. Um, wow. She just was a natural. I was so mad at her. I was like, you've never taken an acting class in your life. No. This is what she's just completely honest and completely flexible and different every night. Like that, right. that level that you hope to get to with some of the greatest actors where it's a real, you know, tennis exchange of, of back and forth. She just inherently immediately had, she was just the loveliest. Couldn't, couldn't have asked for a better, better scene partner. And, and now that you've pointed it out, the fact that she could have had an energy of, of yeah. is that was never there is, is just an added, added bonus. That's amazing. I, I have to say, I, I'm a little embarrassed to share this, but I just have to because I loved it so much. I came home. I thought it was Sarah's story. And I I had no idea. I was like, this new musical about Sarah Bareilles is amazing. It's called Waitress. (laughs) And I was telling my parents about it. And my mom was like, there's a movie called Waitress that's exactly that story. And I was like, what? I was like, dear Lord. So I thought, because I hadn't seen Jesse Mueller or anything. So when I first saw it, it was Sarah Bareilles. And I was like, well, she's like reliving her life on stage eight shows a week. That's that's insane. Like, and and I was just like, I, I got 
I got uh, humbled really quickly. <laughs> um, I have to talk about uh, working with Diane Paulus because I, I always have to shout out her out when I talk to someone that's worked with her because I know what it's like working with her. And she truly brings out like the best in all of her performers that she directs. So what was it like to work with her and how much did she help you, you know, really find yourself in Earl? Um, I mean, Diane's the best. Um, it was my second time working with her for, for waitress. So, mm -hmm. uh, we already kind of had a, a vocabulary, so to speak. Sure. Um, so we could, you know, we could skip some of the, the niceties of, of discussing things and just kind of, um, talk it out. I mean, I think, I think Diane's great at, at, um, sort of encouraging you, almost forcing you to, to, to create a big backstory. Yes. Um, like, you know, uh, as you might know, you know, in, in the process of working up her show, she often has her casts do a whole presentation about your character and like a big homework assignment. And it's really daunting and it, it, um, is, is super challenging, but it, it, what it does is it creates a whole universe for everybody that, that a whole backstory and a whole community, um, that goes a long way on stage. So knowing that that's the kind of thing that Diana, Diane was going to want me to have prepared. Um, I did do a lot of kind of thinking about, about Earl and why he got to where he was and, and how somebody becomes like that. And my mm -hmm. process is different. I think for just about every show I do, but this one, I was like, well, it's an ugly truth, but people do abuse their partners and, it's right. awful and they're real people. So I, you know, YouTube is like this amazing uh, tool that we have now that actors didn't used to have, but I, I went down the rabbit hole of, of um, just like watching, you know, I started by watching sort of talk shows where women were saying that they were in abusive relationships and then they'd bring on the husband. And, you know, if it was like a Jerry Springer show, you know, it's, they're playing to type and they're, you know, they, they would only bring in people that were going to, be these caricatures of of abusers but right. on other shows like a dr phil kind of show you know in walks this completely normal dude who's not mm -hmm. raising right now and he's just like i know it's terrible and I, I do lose my temper but that doesn't mean that i don't love you and just like speaking completely earnestly and it's like okay this is a guy that has beat the crap out of his wife and he's completely normal and he's completely just he thinks he's completely justified in, in his complaints, right. He, he allows himself to take it to this level. And, uh, and it's just sort of sad and terrifying. And, um, so, I mean, to, to go back to your question about Diane, um, mm. she, she just in, inspires you to do a whole lot of homework and, uh, yes. and, and know who your person is so that you can be relatively loose on, on stage and, and plug in your homework to where the text supports that. And, uh, and it's always just great to work with somebody that you worked with before and know that you have a good relationship with them and right. things are most likely going to go well. And they did. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, it's interesting because like working with Diane, I've never had an experience like that, especially those presentations that you're talking about. <laughs> um, I had never even thought to, to do something like that for a character, especially like the first time that I did that was with her was in Pippin and I was just playing Theo and it's just like, you know, he has like a tiny role, you know, like it's not very in depth or anything like that. But when she really was like, no, I mean, he's still a person. He has to have like a backstory and he has to do all these things. And I was like, this is insane. Like I would have never thought of this. And then like doing that work for, for auditions and, and, and for any other roles that I did in the future, she taught me how to find that and mm -hmm. to find that story and to really, and, and finding that story made it come to life on the stage in a way that just wouldn't have happened if I, if I didn't do it, if I did it any other way. Wow. So yeah. it's just fascinating. She really, she really helped me a lot in becoming the the performer I am today. So I, I always shout her out when, when nice. people work with her. Uh, nice. I need to talk to you about hair. First of all, you have a lovely set of hair on you right now. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, thank you. Uh, so hair is, uh, you got a Tony nomination for it. Uh, you are a Tony nominee perfor nominated performer. And uh, talk to me about that experience. I mean, once again, it's a show that's completely different to all of the things. It's just a hippie show and you, you're nominated for a Tony. Like, what what was that like for you and being nominated and doing the show and all the things? I mean, it, you know, 
it was great. We all we all have that one show that sort of just like sits on top of the rest of them and just like you're yeah, like, oh, that was that was the top of the mountain. Um, and for me, this far, I, I you know I probably would say that that Harris is is, is the one. Um, I'm still just the closest with those cast members. We have a text thread with <laughs> our whole cast on it that lights up at least three times a week. Um, oh, everybody just loves each other, and it was just special. It was just. It went through different incarnations, um, and some folks came in and out, uh, and then in again and out again. And um, it it was it's one of those shows that you have to sort of buy buy into the idea of it to make it work. Mm-hmm. Like you have to walk the walk of of hair in order to perform hair. Sure. Um, so you have to really become a tribe if you want to if you want to do that show. Um, so I inherited just all of my best friends and, uh, and to that point, you know, the pinnacle of my performing career and to get to do something that loose, like my favorite thing is, is, you know, the elasticity of a show or a role. Like I, I love to, to make things as different as I can within the limits of the structure of the show sure. from night to night and have gotten in trouble with. <laughs> I'm or two because of my love of that, but hair facilitated that and encouraged it. And, you know, I, you know, that was our currency was making it something completely different every night. So because that's the magic of theater and, and in that instance taken to the extreme of, of what, what a performance could be, what a, what a different night, how that can vary from, from the night before it was just, Oh, it's just heaven. It was it was so fun. And then to have it um, be a success and to be recognized by, by the industry yeah. and other folks as being a, a production that other people uh, responded to was, you know, just uh, icing on that cake. Absolutely. It doesn't help that you're, you're, you know, playing around every night with goofballs like Josh Lehman and Matthew Morrison and all those guys. <laughs> um, no, I love them so much, but they're, they're so fun to work with, right? It just great. like helps bring out some play on the stage, you know? Great, great folks. Just, just, just the best. And so, so silly. And yeah. The fact that we could goof around a bit and that was part of the fun was, you know, sometimes you'd never know what was going to happen from night to night. <laughs> right. And it was okay, but that was, that was great. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I can't, I, I love those guys so much. They're the funniest, especially Josh. He oh, makes Josh me pack up. Josh can say hi and it'll make me laugh. You know, <laughs> like it's just one of those guys. Um, it's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But I, I have to ask you, Javert. You played Javert in Les Mis. I mean, literally, probably one of the most iconic roles like on Broadway is just like anything in Les Mis, honestly. But <laughs> Javert, like, how cool it, it was that for you to to perform in that in such an iconic show like that? It was awesome. It was insanity. And honestly, I said to my wife the other day, I was like, you know, of all the shows I've ever done, when I look back on Les Mis, that one seems like the the most impossible, like, I, ah. like the biggest kind of dream. I just, I sometimes can't wrap my head around the fact that I played Javert on Broadway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I imagine that it's because I grew up with Les Mis and it was just really one of my, my more inspiring shows where it was just like, I want to be up there. I want to be on the barricade. Wow. And I auditioned for it over and over when I was younger and just get called back over and over. And then I never booked it. And I think I'd given up hope of ever being in it because all that was left for a guy my age was Javert and, Valjean and I was like well you know that show's closed and I don't foresee them reviving it and then they Mm -hmm. did and I went in and I got the part I can't believe it I still can't believe it insane it was was amazing yeah 
what did that kind of feel like your like Broadway debut moment where it's just like this I this is it this is I'm doing it a little bit I mean as actors we're all convinced that we're never going to work again after the next show closes. right like okay well I'm glad that I had a good run because I'm never going to work again <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um and to get a big role like that was thrilling and to get that iconic of a role and no, it was, yeah, it was just, it was incredible. It, you know, yeah, it definitely, the curtain call for Les Mis certainly fulfilled the, yeah. uh, the uh, void that Brooklyn might've set up. <laughs> totally. I, I love that. You get your own bow, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Uh, uh, well, I, I, it's just, there's so many things to talk about, especially like Javert to Priscilla, like all of these things that just, I, I don't know, what's the difference or for you, with a show like Le Mai- Le Mis, you have all of these blueprints, you know, it's it's a show that's been around for years and years. And you have shows like the Neil Diamond show that you're about to do and Waitress and all these things where you're kind of originating roles. So talk to me about like doing a revival that has a blueprint that already um, has an existing performer performance um, compared to one that, you know, you are creating in the moment. Yeah, yeah. I love the, I love creating. Um, a new show for me is just candy. I, I love yeah. the, I, the rehearsal room, the feeling of creating something that's never existed before. That's the thrill for me. If I could get paid for rehearsing, I think that's probably what I would do because I just, oh my God, so much fulfillment. Some people hate rehearsing, but like that's the magic for me. I just throwing stuff up to see what works and just being completely like it has to be a safe room. Like, if it's, you know, if you feel intimidated or, or judged, you're not going to try stuff and you're going to be embarrassed if you fail. And, but, but in, in the best of all possible worlds, uh, your rehearsal room is like the safest place in the world. Everyone wants the show to be as good as it could possibly be. So Mm -hmm. you try these absurd, terrible things that sometimes fail. And, you know, I'd be horrified if that stuff made its way into the world, but once you lock into something and try try something that works and and make a new discovery, that's oh that's so fulfilling. And sure. to do that in a place where nothing existed before is is true creation, and that's what just really turns me on. It's it's harder to find that in 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 the rehearsal room for a revival uh, or replacing somebody. Like if you're doing a revival, at least you have the luxury of saying, all right, well, this time we're going to look at it through this lens. It was told over here before. Now we're going to do this. Right. Um, so, you know, if you're mounting a whole new revival, that's great. The The hardest trick for, for me is in, a, in, a, in an already running show is the show, I liken it to a, like a runaway train. It's, it's going to do what it's been set up to do. And you have to hit all of these marks um, and sometimes emotional marks, sometimes physical marks that that the whole mechanism around you mm. needs you to hit, you know, in order to make the show go off. If I come in and decide that I want to do a backflip in this moment that wasn't there before, then, you know, clearly the show's not going to work as well. Right. And, and if, you know, and if I'm in a completely different emotional place than my co-star who's been doing the show with another performer and I come in and mess up that flow, that's kind of, you know, a bit of, of a left curve for them to have and, and, an unfair one often. So that's the trickiest one. And the one where I feel like a puppet a, a little bit the mm-hmm. most is it's just like, okay, well, I'll say the words like you want me to, <laughs> and I'll do the movements like you want me to. And, sure. uh, and it, it feels a little bit like, like you're not having as much input as you would like, which is why I love doing the new stuff. Yeah. Well, when I hear you talk about how much you like love to play and everything, would you ever consider doing it from like a director's standpoint? Because I just feel like you'd be an amazing director. Oh, thanks. Um, I have directed and, you know, growing up in a theater family, um, mm-hmm. I, I directed stuff. Most of the stuff that I've directed was when I was much, much younger, but I, I did love it. Um, I, I feel like I get a little <laughs> over controlly yeah. and, um, and, uh, and I get so much fulfillment out of performing Mm. I, I haven't really had that urge for a few years. Interesting. Um, but I do like watching directors and seeing their different, you know, their different techniques. And some are very controlling and others let you fly a little bit more and just discovering what, what works for me as a, as an actor a little bit more and taking pieces of the process and kind of going, that works for me, that works for me. And then, you know, plugging that into the next role and seeing if that's a little more helpful. 
Yeah, for sure. It, I've always been fascinated about directing, but I don't know if I would ever do it myself. I feel like it's a little intimidating, you know, <laughs> just taking it from script and like putting it on a stage. It's amazing with how their brains work and all of that. Right. Um, yeah, seriously. So like I mentioned earlier, it was recently announced that you'll be playing Neil Diamond on Broadway, which is like so cool. Uh, sticking to this whole kind of dynamic about like replacing or reviving and originating. I mean, this is a very unique situation because you are creating Neil Diamond, but at the same time, like he's a real person. So like, how do you approach playing uh, something like that? Um, that's the challenge, I guess. Um, I was, <laughs> when I was doing Assassins, I was saying, I think this is the first real person that I've ever played that actually existed. And, mm. and interesting that you sort of, that's a certain, limiter of of your choices um uh and now to be playing somebody who's uh actually exists and is still alive um is another um thing to consider and then also just as a performer he's a very specific thing um mm -hmm. so it, i mean the challenge will be to not make it a, a caricature i guess right um, but still honor the sound and the person um he's got an amazing life story and and an amazing charisma and voice on stage mm -hmm. um, so we have done some workshops so far and uh it's been a lot of fun discovering uh how to channel him and 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 not be kind of a cartoon character version of neil diamond but right but, uh but a, a real person yeah and also kind of making him yourself you know a little bit finding you in him too this is fascinating sure um i'm so excited to see it for sure it's going out of town in boston first right yep and, yeah. and then it's coming to broadway in the summer uh well no we're going to boston uh june and july and then uh -huh. i believe at, back to broadway after that got it got it got it'll, it. it'll either be in the fall possibly the spring of next year Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Because this was announced in like 2019, like I feel like before the pandemic that this was a thing in the work. So how long have you been associated with it? Uh, since then, um, you know, we oh, did okay. some, some work on it and then the pandemic hit and everybody's had to sit on their hands for a couple of years. Wow. Uh, and now that the things are clicking again, uh, we were able to, to get moving on it. But for sure, it's pretty, it's a pretty exciting one. Yeah, I mean, if you could sum up the show in like one word, what would it be? <laughs> one word? Yeah, you could do um, two or three, I guess, but no more than three. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, uh, raw stage presence? I don't know. Raw stage <laughs> presence. Okay, that's fair. Hey, I'll take that. Is it going to be like... I don't know. I don't know. I guess because I've seen Six now. I, I don't think I would have imagined this before, but like, you know, Six is that like concert feel. Is that kind of like what it's going to be or is it more just his journey through life? Oh my gosh, it's all of it. It's such a cool, cool concept. Um, I won't give up, give away too much. Um, no, yeah. Because it, it's too cool. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of the it's uh, it's just told from a really emotional standpoint. It's written by the screenwriter screenwriter uh, Anthony McCartan. He wrote like the Bohemian Rhapsody movie and and right. writing the Whitney Houston biopic now. And uh, oh, just, amazing! Uh, an awesome dude. Um, and he hadn't written for the theater before, so he he wrote this Neil Diamond musical without any kind of ideas about musical theater conventions or or um, structure. Mm -hmm. And which is great for creativity, but not necessarily great when you actually have to make set pieces and scene changes. And, and, um, but it's being directed by Michael Mayer, best in the business and, yes. and movement by Stephen Hoggett, who's best in the business, both just geniuses who have these huge, you know, caseloads of, of, uh, art artistry to pull from. And they, uh, are able to take these ideas of Anthony's and put them on the stage in a way that you, you hadn't ever really thought of before. So, Structurally, it's it's different from any ideas you might have about a bio musical. Sure, um, it's definitely not just a we're going to tell the life story of Neil Diamond and now he's in concert and now he's at home. And it's just it's the furthest thing from that. Um, okay, everything comes from a very um, emotional uh, standpoint, and time isn't necessarily uh, in order. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, it's just so cool. It's so cool. I, I, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm so, so excited. excited to see it. Uh, <laughs> and once again, like you have so many cool things coming out. Like I'm excited for this. And then of course I'm excited for the Assassin's cast album. So everyone go check that out on Friday, March 18th or tomorrow. If you're listening <laughs> to this, the day it comes out. Uh, but Will, this has been amazing. It was truly so much fun to meet you. And it was, it was a great time. So I appreciate everything that you shared with us today. Oh, equal. Equally here. Uh, nice to talk to you, Eli. Best Thank of luck you. with everything. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Take a bow, Will Swenson. I am so grateful that he was able to hop on this podcast and willing to do it and talk about so many amazing things that he's going on right now, like the Neil Diamond musical that he's currently working on and the Assassin's Cast recording, which is extremely exciting. So, And of course, the rest of his incredible career. Truly, what he had to say was so thought-provoking that he didn't really want to pigeonhole himself and didn't want to just define who he was as a a performer and he can play both the protagonist and the villain and it was just it was fascinating just to talk to him and pick his brain about um you know how he goes about in in finding ways to create a role but also keep it real and keep it true um to a revival or to a real person or whatever it is um it it was just it was a great conversation i really hope that you all enjoyed it and we had a wonderful conversation afterwards and and he was just such a great guy and so nice um (laughs) he only it was funny because i was only given a certain amount of time uh because he's doing a bunch of press junkets today so afterwards he was late to his next uh press junket because we were talking so much afterwards um and i literally ended it right when he needed to leave and then he was just like asking me about who like me and who i was and it was just like so sweet uh so a big fan of will swenson even bigger one after today um everyone go check him out in all of his incredible shows a beautiful noise the neil diamond musical that is coming out all of the things uh seriously will thank you so much it was a great great chat and uh hopefully we can do it again soon because it, it was just it was awesome it was great talking to you i want to talk about some drama dictionary word of the week let's let's do it so this week's drama dictionary word of the week is actually going to be pit and uh, i know what you're thinking my pits like hello my armpit all of these names i'm telling you they're so weird we have buttons we have pit we have all these things uh but they all have double meaning so uh, a pit in the theater industry uh or the just like the entertainment industry in general like whether you go to a concert or whatever uh a pit is where the orchestra lives so all of the the giant instruments that uh are played like a piano uh the drums uh these giant cellos and all these things that uh you hear when you go to a Broadway, when you go to a live performance with music. Um, that's that's a great way to sum it up, I think. When you go to a live uh, performance with music, you're going to see a pit. And it's like, usually it's a little bit under the stage, but it also peeks out a little bit uh, to where you can see the conductor so that both the pit and the performers can see a conductor, um, or if the if the performers don't need a conductor, usually like in concerts, uh, the pit will be either in the back. It could be anywhere, honestly. Like in Dear Evan Hansen, it's like in the sky. It's on like another like level of the stage. So it's just a room, I guess, or an area where the musicians and, and their instruments live, and and that's where they play from. So it's not quite their dressing room or anything, but that's what their that's their stage, so to speak. Um, so that's what a pit is. If you go to a Broadway show and you see, uh, if you're like sitting front row and you see like the conductor, that that's a pit. That's what you're. Uh, that's where he's living in. That's that area. And so you could be like, oh my god, hey, hey conductor, you're in the pit. And he'll be like, yeah, I am. Um, anyways. That's a fun one for this week's Jama Dictionary Word of the Week. That about wraps up this week's episode. I want to say thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Um, if you haven't yet, check out our other episodes from this month because they've been... It's been a great month for Take a Bow. Um, it's truly been so much fun talking to Will Swenson, Kevin Chamberlain, and Annalise Garpacci. Uh, all of them are going to be if not already broadway icons and stars um (laughs) truly there it's just it's been such a great month and i'm so excited and 
we're going to be wrapping Women's History Month with a great episode um, that I'm excited to share with you all. And it's with a great, great guest and uh, a guest from a show that I have not yet had on. So that's that hint. Um, as always, check us out on social media, on Instagram, on TikTok, at Take About Podcast. We are doing so, so much great content on TikTok and we're pushing all of that content and we have such a wonderful following. So I appreciate you all for following along. Um, and if you aren't yet, please go do that because it's worth it. That being said, if you don't have social media or if you want to do more and check us out, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash tab and uh, feel free to leave a review or a rating. It's free right here on whatever app and platform that you're listening to this podcast on, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio podcast, um, Google podcast, whatever it is, BPN, Broadway Podcast Network, uh, do it all. Uh, I really appreciate you. And we have an exciting live event coming on April 18th. If you haven't yet, please go check it out. Buy your ticket. Uh, all tickets come with a $10 food and beverage voucher. So uh, check it out because it's going to be amazing. And it's going to have some wonderful, wonderful guests. And we are like, a month away. We are literally a month away. Oh my God. And uh, it's at 930 at the Green Moon 42. So you don't want to miss it. I've already got some guests lined up and I'm excited to announce it. So stay tuned. And as always, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and I really hope to see you next week. Bye everyone. Have a great week. For this episode's curtain call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Brittany Bigelow, Katie Rosen, Alan Seals, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow is Tessie Tokash, who edits the audio and all the visuals for this podcast. A special thanks to patrons Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners at PCC, as well as all of the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com slash TAB. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, don't forget to subscribe on the platform that you're currently listening to this on. Also, feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at TakeAboutPodcast. TakeAbout's logo is designed by Giselle Bustos, and the music is by Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon. Bye, everyone. Hope to see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.